Welcome to Built to Win, the premier podcast fueled by the power of work, dedicated to promoting human independence over government dependence, presented by the Foundation for Government Accountability, or FGA. I'm your host, Dan Reynolds. Today, you've joined us for our inaugural Built to Win episode. We wanted to tell you briefly about us, who we are, what we do, and what you can expect from FGA, and most importantly, what you can expect from the Built to Win podcast. There are no other people better to join me as guests to discuss this than first, Taryn Bragdon, CEO and president and founder of FGA. Taryn, thank you so much for joining the podcast. It's good to be on, Dan. Of course. Thank you so much. And Roy Leonardson, infamous government affairs director at FGA. Roy, thank you so much for joining the podcast. You're welcome. (laughs) So just to get us started a little bit, FGA was founded in 2011. Taryn, why was FGA founded? What were some of its goals? What was going on in your mind back then? Well, really, the story doesn't begin in 2011. It begins really 25 years ago when I was first elected to the Maine legislature, Dan. My district in Bangor, Maine, included the largest section of public housing north of Boston. And so I got to see up close poverty, welfare, government dependence, and what it did to people's soul. And what I learned going into the legislature and working on these policy issues is we haven't had this 60-year war on poverty. Instead, we've had this 60-year war on work. And so when I started FGA, I wanted to have an organization that changed public policy so that people could move from dependency to hope, move from welfare to work, and get started on the path to the American dream. Yeah, I'll just jump in too. You know, Taryn and I were in the building at the same time, except I, when he was this, what, 21-year-old legislator, I was this old guy working in the Senate as the chief of staff. And to put a finer point on what Taryn just said, the other piece to it, and I know what drives Taryn is, more often than not, lots of legislators who didn't think like the poverty peddlers on the far left, we had nothing. There was nothing for us to look at no data, no analysis, where I thought the, I was always impressed by what the left was able to provide the membership and the legislature who thought that way. The right didn't have anything like that. There were no materials and no data. So I thought that was one thing, Taryn, that you'll recall just all those times we didn't have stuff. And so we thought, well, we need to get legislators some facts and some talking points and get them on their way. That's part of it. Well, and I think it's so important to understand that because, you know, a lot of times people look at elected officials and they think, well, why don't you do this? And the reality is most people run for office because they want to do big things, but then they get there and they don't know what those big things are. As you were just talking about, Roy, they don't have the facts and analysis and they don't have help to get big things done. And if you don't have that help, it's really hard to do it. Yeah. And I would just add to that, you know, it's been amazing to me traveling around the country, how welcome it is. I mean, clearly our Taryn's theory was right. I mean, they're so happy to see, I kind of feel like the Calvary, a lot of times when we arrive in these States, be able to give these guys information, many for the first time. So it's, it's been a great experience. One thing we talk a lot about at FGA is how, frankly, we're pretty different from a lot of other nonprofits. And Frankly, I think that's one thing that we want to get into a lot with the Built to Win podcast is to show our listeners how different we are and what makes us different. So to get into that a little bit, Taryn and Roy, what drives you both in your work at FGA? You know, maybe talk about your motivations, why you do what you do, and why the staff does what we do. Well, for me, you know, both of my parents grew up in a tough family environment. My dad was first in his generation to go to college and really 
by working hard and living the American dream, they changed the whole trajectory of all eight of us, of number five of eight kids. And really, we had opportunities and experiences. And so I think a lot about, I had this great experience, I now want to make sure that public policy aligns to give other people that same opportunity because I've seen what it's done in my own life. Yeah, and I grew up with a nanny, a cook, and a gardener. So for me, I just wanted everyone to have that. No, <laughs> I'm from Walterboro. I guess I can't really get away with saying that. I, I think, you know, I, and I've said this to Taryn a hundred times, I believe work is a miracle, right? Yeah. The roof over your head, the food on your table, and the clothes in your back are bought and built for by work. And I think I want everyone to experience that. That's how you make your dream come true in America, right? That's the path to the American dream. It starts with that first step. And that first step is more often than work. And Taryn asks this question, you know, if you think about your neighbor, what's their best first day? The the day they get their first welfare check or the day they get their first paycheck? And I think that's what motivates me is that that difference, right? Between dependence and independence. And so that's kind of where I come from. Well, and Roy, to your point, it's not about money and things. Work is so much more than that. It's about having meaning, purpose, and it's also how you build from the ground up a family, a town, and ultimately a country. Yeah. And, you know, not to be too biblical here, but if you, know, if you flip through the Old Testament or the New Testament or even the Koran, every religion work is at the foundation of all of that. And I just think it's important to remember. And, you know, Taryn, you have some experience and working with different advocacy groups, the addiction community, those that have been formerly incarcerated, the disabled community, every one of them, their top priority around the country is to make sure their folks have the ability to go to work and they're not discriminated from that. And so I always find it interesting where we have all of these advocacy groups fighting for the right to work and the poverty peddlers who insist on more welfare programs fight for people not to go to work. It never made sense to me. And I think that's what we fight against. Completely. So... Roy, one thing we did discuss a moment ago is how different FGA is from other organizations that on face value, maybe even our general listeners might think we're pretty similar. What makes FGA different from other perhaps similar organizations? I'll cue it up, but Taryn built it and we built an asset that is unlike any other asset in America. And Taryn made a conscious decision that we were not going to be a white paper think tank issuing edicts from on high, that we were going to take every single battle to the state. There is no one in America that spends more money than FGA in terms of the think tank world and directly working within the states. And Taryn, I'll let you highlight the model, but it's, it's the envy of the think tank world. Well, for me, Dan, it was really about one thing, and that was, I want to win. And so FGA is about winning, not whining. Because ultimately, if you're going to help get government out of the way, fix public policy, and help people experience the American dream, or even just get started on the path to the American dream, you have to win. And I think so many people, whether they're in the media or in the policy world, just whine rather than, as Roy mentioned, actually get your hands dirty, work directly in the process, you know, testify in front of committees, help to craft complicated policy, respond to critics, and be part of the process. And you have to be willing to do that if you're going to actually win. And if you win, then you can help transform lives. Yeah. And Dan, just to put a finer point on it, in the last 20 days, I have been to Montgomery, Little Rock, Jefferson City, Harrisburg, PA, and Topeka, Kansas, doing exactly what Taryn just said. So we are on the ground fighting, working closely with our contractors and our folks that support us in that 
thing, but we are hands-on on the ground. I, you know, in the past few days, I've sat down with Senate presidents, speakers of the House, Secretary of State. It's been a nonstop whirlwind, and I'm just one of several people. I would, I think, maybe this week alone, twelve FGA folks were in state capitals meeting with legislators just in one week. So it's a pretty extraordinary commitment. And just to put some scope on it, you have on the think tank side, you have the Foundation for Government Accountability. That's a C3 nonprofit charitable research organization. And then we also have a sister 501c4 advocacy arm called Opportunity Solutions Project. And that's where we have lobbyists on the ground in 32 states working directly with policymakers. So it's this combination of the research and information. And then just as Roy was mentioning, this on the ground folks who can lock arms with policymakers and get those policy wins and open up the American dream uh, to millions. And it takes both. Yeah. Let's dig a little bit more into the, let's call it, secret sauce of FGA. So a slogan at FGA, and uh, in fact, it's actually on all of our business cards, listeners, so you'll definitely have to get some collections of those, is, quote, we get the politics, we know the policy, we prepare you to win. What does that mean? Well, I think... Changing public policy means you have to operate within the political sphere. You have to work with elected officials. You have to understand that one state is not like the other. And so for me, getting the politics, knowing the policy, and preparing policymakers to win is all about understanding that state context, but also understanding what do you need to do to make the compromises, to customize policies, to make sense for a particular state's environment. Yeah. Yeah, I would just add. We hire wicked smart people too. I mean, I think for me, <laughs> I go out there, they call me the uh, the promise man. I run out to the States and make all these promises and all these commitments. I'll say, you know, we can do polling and research and focus groups and white papers and go review legislation. And, you know, we can do all of these things for you. And legal then I memos. just get legal memos. We have this big, long list of things that we're capable of doing. I am not capable of any of those, obviously, but <laughs> I know that we got 35 folks or 34 folks back in the FGA world who can get that done. I mean, there's times I'm sitting in the speaker of the house's office helping them with some legislative questions and I'm texting in real time and getting research team and different folks all jumping in and helping me. So it's, it's been great for me. I, I, I thoroughly enjoy it, but that's the secret sauce. We get it done at the end of the day. Yeah, totally. And it just doesn't end there. We also want to make sure that the policies are producing the outcomes that we want. And so we do extensive tracking after the fact to see what are the actual outcomes. So in the welfare space, we have followed more than 600,000 people, not a sampling, every single one to see how have they been impacted by work requirements and food stamps, for example. And so it's really not just doing all this work on the front end, as Roy talks about, but actually following up and following through to prove we're getting the results that all of us want, regardless of whether you're a Republican, Democrat, Independent. Yeah. You know, one last thing, Dan, I think it's important, and this is a this is a Taryn-driven thing, so I want to give him credit for it, is he, <laughs> he constantly says this, and we're now learning how important it is, is you got to be relevant. I think sometimes think tanks come up with their agenda three and four years behind the times here and march forward steadily. I think one of the things that we've been able to do and do quickly is be really good at things, as Taryn outlined, but also pivot, right? And I think that's the big difference. So we've just been tackling unemployment integrity issues and election integrity issues. That's all driven by Taryn's philosophy as 
be relevant. If we're rolling into the state houses and talking about stuff we started seven or eight years ago, we would not be having the success we have right now. And I, I do think that for me, if you wanted to say the one thing that makes us different and special, it's just we've decided we're going to be relevant. We're going to show up for the fight they're having, not the one we wanted to have. Yeah, I love that. I think that actually gives us a great moment here to transition into our next section, which we can kind of talk to our listeners about what the future of FGA looks like. You know, perhaps some growth happening now, projected growth, and most importantly, new issue areas and exciting new topics coming from FGA, which of course are going to be featured on the Built to Win podcast. Roy, Darren, what comes top of mind um, for some new exciting projects that are ongoing or maybe soon to come from FGA? Well, I think that Roy just touched on one of them. Really, uh, unemployment has become the left's new gateway to universal basic income. And rather than being this safety net that catches people when they're laid off and helps them for the short period of time until they can get back to work, instead, the left is trying to turn it into this permanent universal basic income, where for a lot of folks, they're earning more by not working than they did when they were working. You know, just to give you an example of this, we uh, are, I'm connected with this nonprofit locally in Florida that helps to host job fairs. Before the pandemic, when unemployment was at record lows, they would have as many as 450 people come to a job fair. So record low unemployment, but still lots of interest in work and getting access to work. They had one just a couple of weeks ago, 36 people showed up. Wow. And the people who were there were talking about how they're getting more from unemployment than a lot of the jobs were offering. Wow. That's not helping people get on the path to prosperity, realize the American dream. That is the left realizing their socialist vision of universal basic income and essentially creating this massive dependency class. Yeah. And it's worse than that. I mean, it's obviously the not worse, but equally as bad is they've removed the incentive to go to work. And on the other hand, they've created a system where fraud rules the day. There's $36 billion in fraudulent unemployment money going out the door in 2020. I, I have a, I have a, greatest hits of fraud that I like. In fact, if you go to the FGA website, www.thefga.org, you'll have all of our reports there, including our unemployment data. But, you know, in the state of Ohio, they found the state had been paying unemployment benefits to 1,500 inmates. In Pennsylvania, they estimated 200 million was paid to more than 10,000 inmates there. And in Washington state, this is one of my favorites, they had a Nigerian fraud ring named Scattered Canary, and they stole as much as six. $150 million in unemployment funds in just one state. And finally, I think my personal favorite is the rapper Nuke Bizzle. Unfortunately, YouTube took it down. I think we saved a copy. He um, recorded an EDD, which is the um, unemployment benefits cards in California, for a song about stealing unemployment benefits from Californians. And he basically did a video where he called it the swagger. And if they hadn't caught him, he would have stolen $1.2 million. That's how many he had, had approved. But after he posted the video, someone alerted the authorities and they arrested him. So you get a sense of the fraud is real. That's for sure. Yeah. And even uh, just a few days ago, the Wall Street Journal highlighted how now all these people are getting 1099G forms right. for supposed unemployment benefits that they've never received, but now they owe taxes on. So, right. Well, the governor of Arkansas 
right? They someone uh, spoofed his his name and the lieutenant governor. I think we've had eight or nine publicly high statewide elected officials that have all been uh, defrauded. I know the secretary of state in Missouri, I was talking to him and he um, was notified that he was getting unemployment in Colorado. So it gives you a sense of the scope of the fraud. And here's the good news, though. This is something that's easy to fix. When you talk about public policy that actually corrects these problems, all we're doing is we're asking states to do regular data checks of publicly available data, whether it's who's in prison, uh, who's been newly hired, or where are people actually living, to root out this fraud. And the key is that you have to root out the fraud so that resources are there for people who need it, but at the same time, that you're ensuring that the system isn't rewarding bad behavior. And unfortunately, a lot of the things that the feds have done have deliberately created loopholes that make it easier to defraud the taxpayer, defraud businesses who are paying into this unemployment system. And we have literally dozens of bills right now in almost 30 states helping to push back and shut down unemployment fraud. And the great news is, this is not a partisan issue at the state level. We had our reform package pass both houses in Louisiana and be signed into law by a Democrat governor. So Republican legislature, Democrat governor, yeah. all unanimously agreed this is the right path forward. Uh, you know, we're getting very little pushback at the state level, which is, I'm not surprised. I think both parties don't particularly, at the state level, now I'm not talking the crazy Fed people, uh, but the state level, I think that they recognize that fraud hurts businesses because, you know, it's a tax on business. And when unemployment money dollars go out like that, that means higher taxes for business. It's a job killer. The connection's clear. Yeah. I really appreciate that download um, from both of you guys on some of the, the recent work of FGA, and I'm sure our listeners uh, will enjoy it as well. One thing that I certainly wanted to cover as a bit of a teaser, as we are kind of uh, coming to the end of our segment here today, but... I want to tease this up for our listeners, a new exciting project that you're going to be hearing a lot from on Built to Win and be reading a lot from, from the FGA is on Zucker Bucks. Um, Taryn and Roy, what's going on with Zucker Bucks? Just give us a brief introduction. We don't want to let the cat out of the bag yet because I'm sure we're going to be covering it in depth on multiple episodes here. Well, lots of people talk about what happened or did not happen in the 2020 election. But the what happened with Mark Zuckerberg and his cronies is undisputed, although just exactly as you said, Dan, we're still uncovering more and more details. So think about this dynamic. Through Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg and his cronies were censoring what information people would be reading about the election. And then on the ground, Mark Zuckerberg and his cronies we're spending more than $400 million of private money going to government election offices in key precincts to have government employees do things that private individuals and private money could never do. So just to put this in a different context, imagine you had somebody who said, I want to give private money to a police department to have them stop and frisk just in certain neighborhoods. Would anyone think that would be okay? Absolutely not. But here, Mark Zuckerberg comes along and says, I want to do the exact same thing, focused on certain neighborhoods, precincts, but just give the money to government election offices. It's un-American. Yeah. And look, let me just drive it home a little more. You know, it's $350 million. They gave out 2,500 grants. And, and like, I'm looking at numbers from Pennsylvania now. We have good data in Georgia. Georgia, they spent over $33 million 
doling out cash to um, certain counties. And in Pennsylvania, they spent over 20 million. I know it's similar in Georgia, 90% of the counties that reportedly received Zuckerbucks were Democrat counties, leaning Democrats. So it's pretty clear to us what they're up to and what they're doing. We're in the middle of that. Our goal is to encourage states to prohibit billionaire private funders going to public elections. We think it's a bad, a, a bad deal. And you know, we have 20 different reforms on election. I'm sure we'll get to them. But just so you understand, FGA is very clear here. We want it to be easy to vote, but hard to cheat. I want to say that again. Easy to vote, hard to cheat. That is our goal. We have 20 different proposals. We've already got bills passed in Iowa. It's halfway through in Missouri. So we're, we're making a lot of progress. I think states are taking this very seriously. And I'm really encouraged by it. Yeah. And I think, you know, the great thing about this is we're based in Florida and Florida has such a good story to tell. That's right. You know, back in 2000 with Bush v. Gore, there was a really messy election here in Florida and people lost faith in the electoral system. So policymakers responded by putting into place a lot of common sense reforms, restoring confidence, just exactly as Roy said, restoring confidence in the election system. And what did we see as a result? Participation went up since the 2000 election and in every election since then. So when you have faith and integrity in the electoral system, more people vote, which is what we all want. Easy to vote, hard to cheat. Florida invented it. I agree. I love it. Definitely more to come on that and a lot more to come from the Built to Win podcast. That does bring us to the end of our segment today. Um, I want to thank our guests, Taryn Bragdon, CEO, President, and Founder of FGA. Taryn, thank you so much for joining Built to Win for our inaugural episode today. It was fun. And thank you, Roy Leonardson, Government Affairs Director at FGA. Roy, thanks so much for joining the podcast today. Thank you. Appreciate it. And please rate and subscribe us wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us find some new listeners. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Built to Win the leading state-focused policy podcast presented by the Foundation for Government Accountability, a nonprofit organization helping millions achieve the American dream. To learn more about our work or our experts, visit www.thefga.org and tell us what you think on Twitter at Built to Win Podcast. Views and opinions expressed by guests on Built to Win do not necessarily reflect the official position of the Foundation for Government Accountability and are not intended to advocate for or against the passage of any legislation or ballot initiative or to support or oppose any candidate for elected office.